Hello, and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my co-host, starting with Q's, the quotable, the quick-witted, and the quintessentially quirky Mary Abijay. Hey, Chris DeSantis, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. All right, so guess what my cues were for you? I don't know. It was a tough time getting cues. <laughs> the quirky, the quotable, and you're hearing me, the quick-witted. <laughs> I was going to say the quiotic, quiotic, but I wasn't sure I could pronounce it correctly. Quixotic. So, Quixotic. There you go. So, hey, Chris, it's nice to see you. And, you know, I have a bone to pick with you. Yes. In our intro, aren't we weekly advice for the working stiff? Don't you think people need to know that they have to put up with us every single week? Oh, uh, you know, I, I maybe did I edit that out? Because I, I, what I do is I, I, I copy and paste. So maybe I have to add that in. I think you do so that people know either they, to find us or avoid us every single week. Well, let me just say this, <laughs> listeners. We'll be here next week. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, Chris, yes. I am very excited for today's show uh, because we have a couple of questions around a topic which I dare say you and I are both a bit expert on, and that is starting my own business. Yes, yes. So, I'm yeah. on the bandwagon with this. I know you are. So Chris, I, uh, so yeah, so we have three questions today, all around people who are thinking about starting their own business, mm -hmm. and they're reaching out to us for a little bit of advice. Uh, so Chris, before I share a few stats on small business, I would like to ask you this. What was your drive to start your own business? So how long have you been uh, an entrepreneur? Well, I've been on my own now for 28 years, I think. Uh, it depends on LinkedIn's, you know, interpretation of that. But so I've been doing this on my own. And what drove me to it was that I was in training and development for the third time, meaning the third different company. And each we, training and development tends to be a canary in the coal mine. So if there are cutbacks, that starts there. Dead and weight. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, thank you. And so what I did was on the third uh, sort of event, uh, I said, look, I can, I'm going to give this a shot. And I gave myself uh, a window of about six months to find a client or two. And I did. And then that led me down the path. And I've never looked back. I love it. So you, it sounds like your driving drive, if you will, was to have a little more control over your professional life, over your experience, over your work. Yes, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. the other thing about the uh, the corporate jobs. Not that I disliked them in any way, but there was no path. Yeah, there was no path. So it was just you were there or you weren't there. Yeah. That's so interesting. So there is so much research on small business, and I'm a big fan of people starting their own business. Um, and I got a few stats for you. Yeah, what are uh, they? Which won't surprise you, but here's a couple that I thought were interesting. One, 47.3%, give or take a percentage or two, of people are employed by small business. Hmm. 47% of the American workforce is employed by small business. People always think small businesses are the little guys, but actually they make up a, a large part. Some people even say the majority of the U.S. economy. 50% hmm. um, of small businesses are home-based. 10% uh, of small businesses are, are what's called micro-businesses, meaning they have fewer than 10 employees. And this, of course, will include the solopreneurs. And here's the scary thing, the failure rate for small businesses. So, 
according to some of the stats I found, 20% of small businesses fail in the first year, mm-hmm. 30% fail in the second year, and by the fifth year, about 50% of small businesses fail, which I think is really interesting. And also, whenever I talk to people about starting their own business, I always say you got to give it five years, like to really know if you're going to make it big or not. And then this study I found said, yeah, that was right. If I recall reading about this uh, some time back, one of the problems with small businesses is it's the extraction of their revenue from the business yeah. in excess of what they should be doing. Yeah. So it's not necessarily the business fails unto itself. It's that the, the entrepreneur or the business owner takes out more than putting in in the initial period. Well, poor financial management and lack yes. of capitalization is one of the top five reasons why uh, businesses oh. fail. So you you got that exactly right. And a lot of times, it's not so much that businesses fail, is that the owners just kind of hang it up or they kind of yeah. give up uh, and they go back into the corporate the corporate trenches. So anyway, I thought that was really interesting. It is and interesting. We're gonna have we are gonna have three questions today uh, with people who want our advice, if you can believe it, on a, a successful business. Uh, and by the way, I've had been a business owner myself for, God, I hate to say this, 28 years. Oh, we are on the same page. I know. It's crazy. All right. So are you ready, Mr. DeSantis, for our very first question? Let's go. All right. So this is from Aching for Autonomy in Austin. Dear Mary and Chris, I hate being a corporate slave. The politics and bureaucracy are killing me. I'm tired of having to walk through layers of approval to make things happen. I think I'd like to start my own social media consulting firm, but I'm not sure where to start. Apparently, I think this person is a social media person. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I'm ready to be my own boss, but I'm not sure if that is a good enough reason to jump ship. Since you both own your own consulting businesses, I'm curious as to what advice you would give someone like me. What do I need to consider before going out on my own? Signed again from Seeking or Aching for Autonomy in Austin. Oh my God, girl, sit down because we got some, we've got a few ideas for you. Chris, I'm going to pass this off to you to start us off. Yeah, I have a bit of a list here, but I'll try to get through this really quickly. First of all, I can appreciate the person's feeling. I, I said this earlier. I felt constrained when I was working somewhere uh, in the corporate world. Uh, more importantly, as I said, I didn't see a path up for me. And so in that sense, um, I, 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 I wanted to seek sort of another opportunity. And, and I think that's what you're saying here. Seeking autonomy wants to seek opportunity. So uh, back to this person, back to you. Uh, it's, it's not only an emotional leap, it's also a financial leap. That's what Mary alluded to at the very beginning. So what I would ask your, your first question is, can you afford to do this? And if not, you, uh, you still want to create a business plan after work uh, that and allows you to do both at the same time so to mitigate some of this risk, right? All right. Uh, the first question is, uh, I would also ask you is, are you getting away from this or are you going to something? Uh, because that's important as well. You mentioned social media. I think that sounds interesting, but I'm not convinced. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not not that I need to be, but I'm not sure if that's what you are looking to pursue, or do you just want to get away? 
The second question is, let's say you do want to pursue a, a consulting practice in social media. Uh, my, the question is, what's your value proposition? So, And what is the market you're serving? So uh, you can't and shouldn't be everything to everyone. It just won't help you. It's You're better able, you're more likely to be successful if you pick a market and pick something within that market you can help them with, right? Uh, the third thing is, uh, who else is doing this and what are they doing that you can do as well or better? And this is, Mary and I talked about this on a previous episode, do a SWOT analysis. It's that thing where you talk about your strengths, your weaknesses, uh, what are the opportunities, and what are the threats. So it's an exercise that gets your head around uh, what your offering is and who's in that marketplace. Uh, Next up. Do not engage in what I call analysis paralysis. Actually, I don't know if the one who calls this. This is where you think you have to have everything perfect before you launch. And I don't think that'll ever happen. I think you have to get it in the direction of what you want to go. I would even suggest find a target, give them your product on the cheap, and get your feet wet. So you get a feel for what works, what doesn't work. Last but not least, be prepared to be a little lonely for a while. (laughs) <laughs> because it is not a walk in the park. And and you, I remember the first six months and I just would wait, stare at the phone, hoping for it to ring. And, and things just didn't happen right away. But when it does, it starts to, it gets better each day. So with that, make sure you have a support group, people around you that can remind you that this is your dream, you can do this. And, and so they can give you sort of the buck up uh, when you need it. But don't isolate yourself. Um, and I think you can do this. Mary, what do you think? What oh, would you God, say? Those, those are so great. I'm just going to do a quick recap of some of your exemplary points. <laughs> uh, uh, so make sure you understand this is a financial leap as well as an emotional leap. So get like, can you afford to do it? You really do have to think about your finances and what's the bare minimum you need to make uh, the mm-hmm. first year, the second year to, or to survive. Uh, determine whether you're going towards something or running away from something. I love mm-hmm. that, Chris. Like, I think you should hopefully be going towards something. It's going to keep fueling optimism more than I think leaving something. Uh, Figure out what your niche is, know what your competitors are doing, Mm -hmm. create some uh, inexpensive products to get your foot in the door. Uh, Don't spend a whole bunch of time just in analysis paralysis and make sure you have a support group. So Mm -hmm. I think I summed up- You did a very good job. Thank you, my friend. (laughs) So you know, I'm going to just like ditto, ditto, ditto everything Chris said. And a couple more thoughts I have for you are, first of all, uh, prepare for the ups and the downs. Uh, you are going to have like, it's oftentimes feast or famine, right? You're yeah. some times you're going to be super busy and then sometimes it's going to be like, wah, 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 yes. like nothing. So prepare for the financial and emotional ups and downs uh, with uh, being your own consultant, having your own consulting firm. Uh, prepare to work a lot, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially when you're first starting out. I, you know, people who want to be their own boss uh, because they want to have like work-life balance, I'd say to them, think again, uh, think more mm-hmm. about work-life integration. Um, I'd say when you're first starting out, uh, definitely be ready to market yourself. So you are already a social media person. So this should be easy, but opportunities don't fall from the sky. You mm-hmm. have to create them. So make sure that you are really prepared to sell as much as deliver. Uh, so really get your pipeline in the market. Uh, get I'm sorry, get your pipeline uh, 
in your pipeline, market yourself. Uh, you know, one thing to consider is maybe going to your company that you're leaving and selling back your services as an oh. independent contractor. So I know a lot of people uh, who have started their consulting by doing just that. So mm -hmm. you, when you leave, you contract back out an hourly wage to do some of the stuff that you do. Try to line up some work, as Chris said, before you leave your day mm -hmm. job. It's always nice to have a little bit of a soft lining, uh, soft landing, I'm sorry. And then in terms of like, in terms of like your business itself, um, I you know, I always recommend that people start off with a bookkeeper or an accountant right from the start. Get your finances. I don't think you need a lawyer in the beginning. I think you can do, you know, most bookkeepers or accountants can set you up as either a single member LLC or a sole proprietor, which just is on your schedule C. I wouldn't go into fancy like S corps or anything like that when you first start. Keep it simple, stupid. Uh, just start making some money. In terms of money, I do really recommend that right from the start, you keep your business and your personal finances separate. Mm. Like immediately get a different bank account for your business and for your personal. If you get into the good fiscal habits in the very beginning, you won't have any problems should you ever get audited. Uh, so keep that kind of really uh, clean. And then the last thing is learn to write proposals because you're going to be writing a few proposals when people will be like, oh, tell me about how that, what, what, you know, what would you do for my social media? So get a couple of sample proposals and learn how to write one. And then finally, um, just learn from your nose. It's a numbers game. You're going to hear a lot of no's and you're going to hear some yeses. So don't let the no's bum you out. Try to learn from them and just keep moving forward and just, just go for it. I love that advice. You know, I, as you were speaking, Mary, I, I know this is a digression. Do you think there's a difference uh, uh, relative to gender, men versus women in the willingness to start a business? Oh, I do. I think that traditionally, I think men have been much more um, willing out there, uh, more confident in their ability to start businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, I think men have been probably less worried about the money or maybe they have more access to the capital. Mm -hmm. And somewhere, and I'll see if I can find the stat, we are actually seeing that start to shift a little bit. So during COVID, uh, we had a lot more female business owners start their own businesses. So mm -hmm. we are definitely seeing women pick up, but I do think it's definitely been a pretty male-dominated game for many years. Hmm, How about you? What do you think? Well, I, I only brought it up because it triggered a book that I was reading. I haven't quite finished it, but I really like it. Uh, Good News for Bad Feelings. And it's <laughs> it's a evolutionary psychiatrist. And what he believes is that the, these all bad feelings have an evolutionary basis. And one of the differences between um, men and women in the evolutionary basis of uh, emotion is anxiety. And women uh, tend to possess more anxiety, which yeah. manifests itself as less risk taking because they don't want, they, again, if they are the nurturer of the family, then they have to be more conscientious of what they are doing. And I think that that translates into the starting of the business because that again creates a level of anxiety. And if men suffer from it less, then they're more likely to engage in taking that shot. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think there's a big difference between what kind of business you're about to start. Yes. So she's really what we call solopreneur, right? Mm -hmm. She's starting her own. Oh, I guess I just assumed it was a she. Um, well, that's interesting. I, yeah, I wasn't sure yeah. either way because I went back to the question and I, it, <laughs> we do this all the time, people. I know we do all the time. Like, I'm always assuming that they're she's. And I'm going um, with the he. <laughs> um, well, let's just agree on a they. Yeah. So uh, I think it really makes a big difference what you're planning on, whether, mm -hmm. and it sounds like they 
they are planning on being a solopreneur, at least in the beginning, uh, a one person shop, uh, 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 which is a solopreneur. And I think there's a lot less risk there in some ways because you don't mm-hmm. need as much capitalization. Yes. You have to take care of yourself. Uh, and Chris, you are a solopreneur, Absolutely. correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So, which is different because I've always been, uh, I guess, it, I hate to say it, like a multipreneur. So I've always had employees in all of my businesses. Uh, and this, it's a big, so there's a big difference. So, yes. uh, yeah. So anyway, I think that was interesting. No, it uh, is. I think she should go for it. What do you I'm, think? I'm with it. I think uh, if you've got this skill set that you think is marketable, then s- find out sooner because you don't want to have a life of regret. Yeah, that's right. And you know, I don't know how young or old this person is, but I will tell you listeners this. I started my first business uh, when I was 27 years old. Uh, and I was just 10 like, years ago. 10 years ago, baby. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and it was a restaurant, so I had to like actually cough up some cash. Uh, and everyone was like, oh my God, aren't you worried? And I was like, I'm 27. Right. I can make more money. Like if this right. goes bust. So I'm a big fan of young people trying it out. Uh, yes. because you ha- you're never going to have less to lose than in your 20s or early 30s, right? Yes, I agree I mean, with you. It's it's the better time to take risk because there's n- less liability attached to less it. Less liability, less people, re- uh, less people uh, counting on you. All right, well, I think we've taken care of Austin. Let's move on to another one. All and right. this is pondering a partnership in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Say that three times. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Cubicle, I have a small public relations consulting firm, and by small, I mean it's just me. (laughs) Business is good, but I would like it to grow. It's hard being the chief cook and bottle washer. A colleague of mine and I have been tossing around the idea of combining forces. My spouse doesn't think it's a good idea. He's more risk averse than I am, and he thinks a partner is more trouble than worth. I think it could be a great opportunity to grow. What do you think? What's the downside of taking on a partner? Do partnerships ever work? (laughs) Signed, Pondering Partnership in Pittsburgh. All right, Chris, I'm going to let you go first on this one because I definitely have opinions on this one. So um, have you ever had a partner in your business? Uh, Yeah, interestingly enough, um, I have uh, business partners in other ventures. I have Ah. one in real estate and then I have another partnership in the art and artifacts business. And now I have a third partnership, my favorite so far, with you. So Tee-hee, tee-hee, tee-hee. All right. So I was going to make a bad joke about not paying Jack, but we can save that for the end. Uh, all right. So, Chris, what say you? What is, what's your advice on partnering? Well, uh, let's first of all, let's deal with the spouse. Uh, let's dismiss your spouse's objections. Uh, if uh, Because if this is done correctly, you can you can mitigate some of these risks right at the start. So, And he sounds like he's sharing his temperament rather than a solid objection. Or so, sharing his experience with being a partner of you, right? In yeah, your marriage. That, might, that might be it, too. <laughs> because he said the person, uh, he, he's talked about the, per, the person... Uh, the person's personality is difficult or I don't, uh, but he hasn't talked about their, what value or, or any concerns around that in terms of their value added or valid concerns. So I'd ignore him. The problem with ignoring him is that if there will be disagreement in a partnership and he will then jump on that and say, I told you so, which is oh, terribly point. unfair good because point. everybody disagrees. Yeah. And by the way, partnerships work. They work. Think of Laurel and Hardy, Abbott Costello, right? Rowan and Martin, I mean, and, and Hewitt and Packard, they work. 
So um, I, I think- Wait, I have to interrupt you because I really think that's a really great point. And yeah. I made that mistake before. When my husband ever hears me complain about my partner, she always says, I told you so. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So that's a no, really good point, Chris. No, it's right. Because what it does, is, you, you know the problem I have with that that that, that upfront, uh, look, I uh, I don't know if you should be doing this, is that it, 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 it precludes you from talking about what isn't working with the person you care about most. Yeah. And see, this is my problem with it because yes, we are going to have arguments. Every organ, everyone who goes through any arrangement has an argument, but it's not the end all. It's the process of really getting acquainted with each other. So, so, but this, I told you so. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I think so you tell the part, you tell, you tell your spouse to shut his pie hole yeah. and then you're going to, this is what we're doing and you're going to have to support me. Yes, exactly right. Exactly. Because uh, again, partnering like the, like the, like your spouse requires trust. And I think in this situation, it's the bringing together of complementary skills. And this is what's important. You've got to sit down with this person before you get into business with them and create a list of what each of you brings to the table. I would compare lists and focus on the things that you do well and the things that they do well, and then find where you overlap and divvy it up. You see, if you have... if. If, you're, if you start out and your lists are identical, you're going to have some issues unless you compromise up front. So, um, so uh, everything I've said uh, applies here. And you know, the first question we answered, everything I've said about it, but getting a unique value p- proposition, a plan to achieve it. Uh, so all of that comes into play here as well. Uh, we don't start out in sync. We achieve sync later on. Mary and I are really great p- case in point. Our relationship is an example of an improv duo. I am still learning who she is, and what makes her look good and sound good to listeners. You see, it's my job, in part, to set her up to succeed. That's how an improv ensemble works. And another one is Burns and Allen, right? Uh, and that's what partners do. So you got to find a partner that does that, and you got to find a partner that's willing to do that for you, and then I think you're far more likely to succeed. I love that. And I thought my job was just to annoy you. So I'm well, loving that you're like trying to make me look good. <laughs> and my my job is just to like see if I can like pester you. Uh, no, but Chris, you you raised a really important part about the compliment. Like don't get a partner who's just like you, that has the same skill sets as you, the same strengths, the same weaknesses, because you're just duplicating yourself and that's not really helping. I love that. And I love what you said about you should always be working to make your partner successful as well. Make your partner mm-hmm. look good. Those are very... Very, very good, great, great, great suggestions. Now, I've had many, many business partners. Uh, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, so a couple of things I'm going to add to Chris's. Uh, in many ways, I think this is like a marriage. Uh, mm-hmm. So you better like the person as well as respect the person. And by liking them, I don't mean like go find your BFF and be partners with them. I mean, you need to like their style, the cut of their jib, how they interact, their communication. There's got to be some, I guess... Attraction is the word I'm looking for, but some mm-hmm. simpatico there on how you think. Uh, get really clear, as Chris said, on your lanes, who's responsible for mm-hmm. what and who's responsible for what, right? How are you going to make decisions? How compatible are your work ethics and your personal ethics? So mm. I had a partner once, like I'm a workaholic. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm proud of it. I yes, love what I is, do. Yes, people. Yeah, baby. No shame in that game. And my partner was not. Now, it wasn't a problem for me, uh, but it was a problem for her 
because she just kept feeling guilty about mm. how much less she was working. So you got to really look at that. I also say you got to look at your personal ethics, right? You've got to both be ethical. Like yes. you've got to look to see how they, how they like make decisions, the things that they do, because little things might drive you crazy. I had a business partner in one of the bars I owned that was very unethical and mm. we had to end it because I couldn't take the constant lying. Um, how compatible are your financial personalities, right? This is a money game. We know in marriages, finances is one of the things that creates divorce. Y'all better be on the same page about right. like finances. And by way, by the way, not only how you want to manage your business's finances, but you better make sure that you are going into partnership with someone who's also financially stable. Am I right, Chris DeSantis? Absolutely. What, I mean, if, if I, Chris and I became like business partners and he like couldn't he couldn't bring up rub two sticks together to get a dollar. Right. That's gonna that's gonna concern me. So make sure your financial personalities are are aligned and that they you understand whatever, what other financial pressures they have. Also, somebody who really needs money um, constantly, uh, they're gonna be always pushing to take money out of the business, uh, mm. and you might be pushing to reinvest it. So you really do have to have those financial conversations. And the last thing I'm gonna say on partnerships, and I say this from heartbreaking experience is that you have to plan for the divorce mm. before you get married. Uh, partnerships will end, whether they end peacefully uh, or whether they end uh, amicably or whether they end in torrents of FUs, chances are they end. Somebody may decide they want to pull out. Somebody may want to retire. So what you need to do is hire a lawyer and you have to write an ironclad partnership agreement uh, and that thing should cover everything like ownership percentages, voting percentages, investments, payouts, dividends, voting rights, how to add new partners, and what should happen if you guys decide to dissolve the, the partnership or someone decides to leave. I know it seems very, it's like a prenup, right? I mm -hmm. know it seems very unromantic, but I promise you, if you do nothing else, hire a real lawyer and write an ironclad partnership agreement. It will save you tons of heartache and legal fees down the road. I think that's super solid advice. Uh, and by the way, you are surrounded by people in partnerships. You may not even be aware of it. So your world has some people in it that can give you advice. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. All right. So, huh. That was like good one. That was like therapy for me because honestly, I've had some great partners. I've had some terrible partners. I've had some buyouts that went bad. It's just been yeah. So I'm very. Here's a question, I, Mary. Do you have yeah. a workshop in this? Because I think you could do that. Well, you know, my publisher wants me to do a book on this, so we'll yes, see. Yes, I'm I know. thinking. Feels, you, yeah, <laughs> no, there's something here. Feels hard and big. All right, we're gonna have to squeeze in one more question. So we might go a little bit over thirty minutes, people. Just to warn you, might go. 32 minutes on this one because I love this one. This is from Coffee Cousins in California. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> from A's to P's to C's. I love it. All right, dear Cubicle Confidential, is it a bad idea to go into business with family? Here's the situation. My grandmother recently passed and left some money to us grandkids. My cousin and I have always wanted to open our own coffee shop slash bakery slash cafe sort of place. We both have lots of experience in food service and now we have enough money to start our venture. We've been dreaming of this for some time and I think our concept is a winner, but I'm worried about the family dynamic thing. Should I be worried? And what do I need what do I need to make this work? Coffee Cousins in mm. California. Mm. Mm. 
<laughs> I think I think family businesses have their own special place in hell. But go go ahead, Chris. Yeah, th- I I, f- I find this uh, fairly easy for me to answer in the sense because. But you're going to add to it because you've been in business with your sister. But yeah. Uh, first off, I think the answer to number one that we gave is the answer to this one. The only difference here is the 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 established dynamic where uh, you are becoming partners with somebody you've known since your childhood. Now, unless your other these other uh, questions were answered by people they knew in their childhood, this is a unique case. So I think all the things that applied previously, as we discussed, apply to this. Um, but, the, the, but I'll tell you, one of the challenges you face, their family. And so they'll they'll go backwards on, but you know me. So meaning that what the, 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 they'll play the guilt card to some degree if things go out of whack. So I would go through all of the things that Mary talked about in the previous question as if this were a formal partnership. I would say, what does it take to succeed as a, a shop, bakery, cafe, and divvy up the responsibilities for finding, buying, creating, staffing, and marketing this place? I think it's a tall order, and I think it's going to be a lot of sweat equity. And I think in the planning phase, I think that will reveal a lot about each of you in terms of what you're willing to do and how you do it. So that's going to reveal things. Now, the other question I have is does your cousin have a history of putting up this kind of effort and do you have a history of doing that because if you don't uh then uh you i think you have to consider the possibility that maybe this isn't such a good idea uh and and if things do go wrong it may scuttle this is the problem you are family if this goes awry it may scuttle the relationship that you will be uh involved with each other's for the duration of your lives. So I would tread carefully up front so that makes this work subsequent to that. Now, I'll give this back to Mary because I think she should bring this home because she's had direct experience with running a nightclub with her sister. Yeah, actually, my sister and I ran two businesses together. Oh, two, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, two. Uh, so, so I think for this, uh, one thing can be really great, like family members, like if do to, the pros of going into a business with the family members is you should be able to trust them. You should have yes. to share history. And with my sister and I, we knew how to fight, but most importantly, we knew how to make up. So, because mm. as you said earlier, Chris, all partnerships are going to have disagreements. Right. So you got to prepare for that. So I think if you're going to go into business with a family member, I think it's really important as Chris said all the things we said in question one and question two but try to make some ground rules uh, Mm -hmm. about your partnership Uh, and some of the ground rules I would recommend are this Uh, business disagreements stay in the business Uh, family disagreements stay with the family never shall the twain meet although that's hard right right it's hard but something to really think about when you are with family you should really not talk about business except Mm -hmm. to say oh my god the coffee shop's doing great Uh, and you can't bring in family stuff when you have business disagreements. Mm-hmm. So you can't say things like, "This is just like the time at Grandma's when exactly. you took my when you took my exactly. American doll away." Like you got to really keep this separate. The other thing I would say is, do not ever ever triangulate with other family members ever so let's say like you're meeting with your aunt or your your grandpa or another cousin you cannot be bad mouthing your cousin partner to other family members Mm -hmm. you can't go to the other family members say oh my god he she they're driving me crazy what should Mm -hmm. i do you really got to keep it clean and separate like so keep keep that stuff separate and then the last thing i would say is um 
to have a conversation around uh, around how you feel. And this is really just specific to uh, kind of uh, food service. Uh, have some conversation around how are you going to do comping and freebies uh, oh, to your right. family members and your friends of your family members. You know, so you know, and the police. And the police, like, is if Aunt Ida comes in and wants to get like six coffees and a dozen donuts, is she paying fifty percent? Like, you know, so be really create a policy yeah. around how you're going to handle that stuff because if you have a large family, believe me, they're going to be at your place all the time. Uh, but just get an alignment around your freebies. But I would say, I would say, go for it. Mm-hmm. Get the partnership agreement uh, and good luck. And send us some coffee or some pastries. <laughs> <laughs> Although maybe not coffee if you're in California but it could be undone. All right, Chris, gosh, this was like a therapy session today. Like it was awesome for me. I don't know about for you. No, I liked it. I liked it a lot because I don't get to talk about what I've done to get where I am. Yeah. And so if you had one piece of parting advice to everybody who wants to start their own business in one sentence, what would it be? Well, find out what you're really, really good at that somebody will pay for. (laughs) And then charge them. (laughs) And then charge the hell out of it. And mine would be go for it. Like I think it's a great experience. You know, don't don't overanalyze it. If you have the passion, the dreams, and you have like the financial window to do so, go for it. It's been a great experience. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today, Chris. Thank you for thank joining you, Mary. me today and being my partner on this. <laughs> uh, a big thanks to our amazing, overworked, and yet underpaid producer, Mr. Jack Edinger. Uh, if you have a workplace question or a cubicle dilemma, give us a shout. No question is too large and no question is too small. There are so many ways that you can reach us. You could email us to info at cubicleconfidential.com. You could tweet us at cubicleconfide1, or you could find us on LinkedIn. People, we are everywhere. And until we see you again, work hard, be kind, and if you can't, call us. Jack, let's have some music. Music.